0: facebook and instagram the longhorn republic or shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at com. my name is gerald goodridge i'm your host this week like i am every week and i'm joined by a man who remembers a time when mondays were slow news days kyle carpenter kyle how are you
1: <laughs> i i mentioned right before we started recording this that maybe we should just go uh go on some kind of live video and just read the constant uh news breaking on our twitter feed it is wild uh, the past, I don't know, it feels like seven weeks since UT played a football game. Uh, well, actually, but uh, seven weeks ago when they played Kansas State specifically, a lot of college football has happened. A lot, a lot, a lot of crazy college football has happened. And it just, uh, Saturdays, Sundays, Mondays, news everywhere. This is um, almost as much fun as the season, at least for a Texas fan, watching the, uh, the wildness play out on the internet today.
0: I guess it started sunday night with the bomb that lincoln riley was on his way out of norman heading to like heading to los angeles which let's be honest like jumping out of norman and heading to los angeles is a really big upgrade um but there's a lot of other things going on behind the scenes and so that just like started this cascade of craziness and it feels like the football game we're gonna talk about today is like was like six years ago with all of the news that broke over the last like thirty six hours.
1: Yeah, I mean Lincoln Riley, I I think a lot of credit should be given to him for his Bill Clinton School of Mastery of Press Conferences of very specific statements. Um and he was in fact not becoming the next head coach of of the LSU Tigers. And and there was nothing incorrect about that statement. In fact, if you if you take old Link at face value, it was like four in the morning and his phone rang and they said, mm-hmm. hey, you want to coach? He said, yeah, I'll coach. They said, here, doc, you sign this couple hundred million dollars. Okay, cool. I guess I'm I'm going to jump on the tarmac in five minutes. I'll be there in an hour, uh, which obviously is the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen, but it's sweet that he's trying. Uh, but yeah, the, the who, who had Link and Riley to USC as the first domino to fall in what has been an utterly ridiculous coaching carousel already? Already? We're like, 24 hours into it uh the regular season ended minutes ago it feels like and and yeah this is this is a crazy one it almost feels as bad as this year was uh on on some for texas it almost feels good to be out of the crazy waters this year like i'm glad we did the crazy coaching search last year when the waters were less chummed uh because this feels (laughs) this feels wild man i don't know if my anxiety could handle it
0: one, don't wanna ever hear you say the water's chummed ever again. <laughs> it just felt weird to me. I didn't like the way um way it felt, but it's fine. We're not here to talk about shark infested waters. We're here to talk about
1: Steve Shark of the field. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> uh Texas snapped the six game losing streak to close out the season with a win over the Kansas State Wildcats and ironically used the Wildcat slash Wildhorn to get it done. Roshan Johnson uh, took a ton of the weight off of the quarterback position. Casey Thompson uh, still dinged up, and Hudson Card did not play. So um, Texas kept the ball on the ground. And, and this is part of the reason why, you, why I like Steve Sarkeesian as a coach is that He came up with this game plan seemingly in a week. We're just like, we know that Hudson's not going to play. We know that Casey's not going to play. Roshan, we need you. And Roshan did what he did for a career-high 31 carries, 179 yards, and a score. He was everything for Texas on Saturday, and it's hard not to credit him and the offensive line in front of him for getting it done.
1: Superlatives, you could could spend a a podcast and just call it the Roshan Johnson appreciation pod um, and we might the stats are great this is a kid who again the the fact that we've been waiting on him to throw a pass all all year out of this formation is because he was a highly highly touted uh quarterback recruit coming out of Portnitch Grove in high school um obviously as you remember made the the switch to running back um and and, and then you know pounded the ball <laughs> uh, 31 times you know just Put the team on his back, though. You know, he uh, he did what was called. He did it with heart. He all year has been the guy who stood up for his teammates, who showed fight when Texas looked lifeless and limp uh, at times. You know, he, Sarkeesian called him the locker room enforcer. Like there is a reason he's the heart and soul of this team, and if it wasn't for a you know a Bijan John Johnson future. You know, get him on your fantasy team. NFL superstar, being the guy who's directly in front of him, we'd be talking about Roshan as you know this great Longhorn running back, uh, and and you see what he's capable of. I mean, not a bad Kansas State defense. We talked about it in our preview, um, and he just ran all over them. I mean, we the the jump cut he had for his his touchdown was as good as. Just about anything Bijan has done all year, and again, that's no—you just heard me call him a future NFL superstar. You know that, that thats no shots at, at Mr. Robinson, but you know, just Bijan felt—or excuse me, uh, Roshan—in this game felt like. He knew that the team required specifically that he fell forward three yards every time someone tackled him, and so when they hit him, he did a little break tackle, pushed the pile, and if he finally did have to go down, he, like, dove with a twist turn to move the ball up an extra yard. He just, he fought literally for every single one of his 189, uh, I think he had 10 receiving yards, 189 uh, total yards in this game. He did... He fought for every one of them, and Texas needed every single one of them. Without those, um, you know, it it would have been a tough game.
0: Let's just make the whole plane out of Roshan Johnson. Let's just do it. Let's make the whole plane. (laughs) This is a team that's looking to redefine the culture and redefine who they are, and that's how they ended the season with Roshan playing one of the grittiest, gutsiest, all of the terrible played-out platitudes that you could use. And I just, like – there aren't enough words to describe the the performance that he put in. And Sark has been praising him, like you said, since he got on campus, praising him for his leadership, praising him for his effort, praising him for how quickly he learned the playbook, and all of those things that are vital to somebody who is a team leader. And as Texas tries to seemingly rebuild this roster with the attrition that we know is likely on the horizon, like he's a guy that you can build a crowd around. There's an old leadership adage that it's easier to build a crowd out of a core than a core out of a crowd. And Roshan Johnson is part of that core. And we'll tell Bijan and Worthy and all those guys are the core. And, and if you give me that guy's the nucleus of your team, that's a guy who we can – really used to help create the culture that needs to happen on the 40 acres
1: without a doubt i mean i'm so glad we get an extra year of roshan i'm glad to see it when you know we talk capital c culture and there will be players leaving there will be more probably as this podcast comes out there will be more you know there will be some soon uh if not now in the coming weeks there will be guys coming in you know there will be touted players coming in but Whatever the turnover is, I, I have a good feeling Roshan Johnson is not among them and will be here and is so bought in to the Texas across this chess and, and the Steve Sarkeesian vision of what this team can be and the fight needed to get there. You know, you saw uh, another player, Xavier Worthy, who just, you know, 18 comes in and just has more you know, more toughness in his gangly 160 pound frame than, than, you know, any Two other guys combined on the team, like a, minus Roshan. The, the more of those guys you you have, you know, the more that that those guys, uh, those players, those characters are are around the team, are bringing the other people in, right? I, I've I've played with quarterbacks who were incredibly talented and thought they were above the fray or the team, and then you know a a player like a Sam Ellinger. You've played with, I've played with, you know, cornerbacks who were going to you know. We're four or, you know, yeah, high four-star kids who were going to D1 school without a doubt, Uh, running back who is an All-American. It depends a lot on the culture of your team on that guy, that really good player, on how he What he does and what he says. When you have Sam Ellinger, the reason he's so good is not just what he does on Saturdays on the field. It's the locker room buy-in with guys like that. When you have, you know, a Roshan Johnson, you need those guys. The more those guys you have, uh, that's amazing. But, I mean, I, I really like the idea that some players who may have been pulling people away from that vision may not be here. And the remainder is that the light from a guy like a Roshan from a Xavier worthy shines even brighter that some of these young guys now who look the part will get a chance to shine and, and be the vocal leaders in that team next year. And so I I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic as you can be. And I know we're not doing a season recap here, but with a five and seven <laughs> team who did just win a game uh, about how we leave this season again, if there's no bowl game and this is the end of it, we'll see how we leave this season. And, and on a day when none of our quarterbacks were healthy, we were, you know, had to had neither of our starting linebackers. We had a bunch of guys who weren't available and weren't there. The players that were there stepped up and, and gutted it out. It wasn't pretty. This was not a pretty win, but it was, it was, it was a win that felt like it at heart. And man, I'll, I'll take, since we didn't have a ton of wins in general, I'll take those any day of the week and six days on six times on Saturday.
0: One I'm ugly, one I'm ugly. And thankfully, the big uglies or the big beautifuls, as I like <laughs> prefer to call them up front, uh, set the tone a lot for Texas. I mean, Tope Amade was the coach's player of the game. We talked about him quite a bit. The team um, on the offensive line had a 75% power success rate. the The number that jumped out to me is that Kansas State registered a point – 7 stuff rate so less than one percent stuff rate on average and the texas line was creating 3.7 line yards per rush you want to be anywhere above three and a half and so the texas line got it done and we talk we've talked about it all the time this is a group that's shown progress mm-hmm. from week one to week 13 and and they've done it with let's be honest ta- talent that needs a lot of development and so imagine what texas can do if they can land some players in the portal imagine what this offensive line will look like next year and again we're focusing on this game but <laughs> like the kyle flood effect is absolutely real and in effect for texas uh and we saw it on the field on saturday or on friday
1: yeah that's right on friday uh yeah texas finishing the year with you know gerald uh, talks about it in in our last podcast and t- we tweeted about it but basically with uh, you know Alabama's offensive line struggling in the Iron Bowl against Auburn. I'll put it nicely to say struggling. You know they, they haven't been able to run the ball all year. They're giving up more sacks this year than Texas. I mean, there are there are just plain boldface stats that tell you that Texas was as good a line as Alabama this year, if not better, by the stats. I mean, again, you could make arguments about how how to interpret that, but I think the fact that they were the best line last year and they weren't this year, and though they lost some players. The, the the major step back is some combination of of Bill O'Brien being their offensive coordinator and Kyle Flood, you know, not not being there to coach your your offense. So basically the two Texas guys Sark and Flood leaving saw a net negative even though basically Bryce Young won a game for them uh in the Iron Bowl in the last 7 minutes because he's that good of a quarterback in spite of what their play caller and offensive line coach did. So you think, hey, could that translate to something good for Texas? And again, like you said Gerald to come up with this game plan that Sark did. Um on the fly, basically knowing what you had healthy and, and asking Kyle Flood going into his offensive line room and asking them, hey, can you go out if we do this? We're relying on you to do it. Can you go out and win us this game? If you give Roshan some room, you know that guy is a warrior behind you. Can you win us this game? And they did it. And, and you know, guys went down in that game and it was a next man up mentality. We're already at that point with some players hurt. Hayden Connor had some good run in this one. Um, I mean, you just saw... Uh, a group of five, whoever it was who was out there, didn't matter. Uh, the back of the ch- uh, jersey, but the front of the jersey said Texas, and they pushed them dudes around. They, were they perfect? No. Is there still room to grow? Of course. Did they, you know, did did Kansas State were they able to do some things with some athletic edge rushers? Sure, they were able to blow some plays up when they knew Texas was running almost as much as K State was. But all in all, when they were man on man, hat on hat, Texas won. Way more often uh, than than the other outcome, and that's evidenced by the fact that they just marched the ball down, converted on third and shorts, especially early in the game, and and you know scored the points where they could get them.
0: I mean, it helps when you when you are able to go hat on hat because you've got. Uh, you've got two tight ends in there, and your quarterback is a running back. It helps sure. when you're basically setting up your running back to have a one-on-one. But it wasn't just the ground game. Casey Thompson did pass 17, uh, 23 times, completed 17 passes for 170 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, one, the, He had one interception, our typical what we've seen from Casey Thompson, trying to win the game on one throw, kind of under through. Um, a ball to Worthy that if he can put it in front of Worthy, oh, yeah it's probably a touchdown. Yeah. And again, that's, that's, we know what Casey Thompson is and Casey Thompson isn't, but a quarterback that can put that in front of Xavier worthy. That's a touchdown. Cause worthy was behind the defenders there, but worthy for his efforts, six receptions for 65 yards, no touchdowns. He was targeted eight times. Uh, Cade Brewer, a guy who we and you and I had. Uh, I mean, we've all se- said our things about Cadre. <laughs> had a great game for. Uh, he did four receptions, thirty-two yards, and had the one touchdown pass. It's honestly the highlight of his kind of receiving career. Uh, Would have had another one if he. The one time he decides to not hurdle a guy, he gets tackled short of a first down to shorten a drive. But it's, it is what it is. He caught the only touchdown pass for Texas of the game. And Texas got, it, got done what it needed to get done to win the game.
1: Kate Brewer also, I really like the way Sark used him to, to go with the offensive line and continue the price for Brewer there. He also blocked his butt off. Um, I like that they used Brewer in motion a lot this game. They got him out blocking uh, on some of the throws to the flat, which, you know, really helps when you have, as much as Marcus Washington is a great blocking receiver um you know when you can get a tight end who can block out there as well and i thought he did well he blocked well inside on some of those wildcat plays as you mentioned had wiley in there as well but uh i i also he motioned in and and kind of had a trick quarterback sneak which you know Love to put that combination of words together, um, but had a rushing first down. I had a two-yard QB sneak, you know, and, and that catch that Brewer had was legitimately like what we've been crying out for. And, and Gerald, don't forget, last week Brewer or two weeks ago had the uh, um, game tying. He sent it to overtime against Powerhouse Kansas with his touchdown, which was another <laughs> another great catch. Um, so Brewer saving the best for the end of his l- lengthy career, but uh, way to go out because that catch he had was thrown where it needed to be, but we haven't had a tight end be able to go up and make that type of catch since like Jermichael Finley. No offense to Blaine Erby or anyone, but um, you know, it, it it it's it was crazy that we threw that route to the tight end and there were defenders in the general vicinity and yet we caught it and it worked. Um so kudos to to Cade where where it's due. Um, you know, this was a game only eight targets for uh, Xavier Worthy. Um, but Gerald, I'm surprised you haven't talked about the the greatest uh, passing play of the game. We finally <laughs> saw the, the first wildcat throw from Roshan Johnson, and it was the pop pass jet sweep to Keelan Robinson for two yards. So we end the season with that. Hanging over since the Louisiana game. When's Roshan going to throw it out of this formation? And the answer was uh, kind of – he did scramble out of a pass once. Uh, <laughs> but the answer was kind of, um, you know, he jet-sweeped it once to, to Keelan. So next year, maybe. We'll see.
0: Not necessarily. That's fine. Maybe next year, maybe not. Who – But the offense did enough for the first time. Uh, Eight of 16 on third downs. They got six of their first seven. Five of five, I believe, to start the game if memory serves. So a good outing for the uh, the offense overall, getting it done and closing out the season with a W. Part of the reason why Texas was successful is the defense. Part of the reason the defense was successful is because the offense kept them off the field only. 48 plays in that game, managed mm-hmm. to pitch a shutout in the second half, and again, figured it out somehow on third downs. Kansas only had 11 third down attempts, was were one of 11, including .3 yards per play on third downs.
1: Insanity, Kyle, insanity. That, I mean, that's an – uh, that's a wild stat. I'm going to say that again for the folks in the back who who maybe were – were. I know you listen less when Gerald's talking and more. When I'm talking on this podcast, I kid, I kid, <laughs> I kid. But I it's will a say – it, It's a
0: sheer amount of ratios, Kyle. <laughs> uh-huh. ratios.
1: I will say it again uh, in case you missed that statistic. Kansas State on third down over the entirety of the game on 11 tries averaged .3 yards per play, point three yards per play on third down that's unreal they were 0 for 4 when they needed two yards or less uh they again going one for 11 on third that one was actually a pass um and they went over two on fourth down when they just were going to try to bully the defensive line did not get pushed around in this one And, and this in that sense felt like a what a texas kansas state game is supposed to feel like right i think bill snyder has stolen that from us for a lot of years uh if tom herman did nothing else great for the ut program (laughs) he broke the curse of the wizard we've now won five in a row um not always easy not always pretty uh, but we've won five in a row against them it's a little bit less scary um, but it should feel that way right is is you know this is you should have more talent you should be a little bigger you should be a little faster whatever it is uh, even though they're always going to be a well coached team um, and I think Kleiman's a great coach i I do think that uh, it felt like the way that both of our lines pushed around the Kansas State line is kind of what you hope and expect, and over, you know, the history of these two programs, what should, in theory, happen more often than not when they when they meet, but it hasn't always been that way, right? And, and so, uh, again, I will say it one last time, 0.3 yards allowed on third downs, just a, a great performance as a unit from the defensive line and uh, the, really the front seven.
0: That's the big number for me. Kansas, for their troubles, had a 0% power success rate, meaning they did not have a single successful rush of three yards or shorter. Um, That's how good the defense played. And we've been begging all year for Texas to make those plays and to to be tough against the run. And regardless of whether or not Kansas State is a good team, they got it done against a team that wants to do that, that wants to run the ball. Now, Deuce Vaughn was all over the field and had 2.6 open field yards per rush. But when they needed the short yardage, they couldn't get it. And that's a differentiator for Texas. And again, we're not saying that, that the defense was perfect or the defense was because deuce vaughn again had what almost 100, 146 yards i think or 143 yards uh on 24 carries and i put it out there in the inside the numbers piece this is statistically like a bottom five rushing defense but seeing progress with them is good like and i'm not joking look up the stats bottom five yeah. rushing defense all time but the short yardage things are, are things that you can shore up. There's there's a there's a break in the chain between the first level and the second level and even the third level of the defense. And I think hopefully they can shore that up somehow this offseason. But at least they got the the front to get its act together for for most uh, for a big chunk of the game.
1: And I think there's probably not a coincidence that you had two guys who were young, who were athletic, who were hungry, and at linebacker replacing uh, two players who lead the team in tackles, right? Don't let me sit here and say that DeMarvin overshone and, and Brockermeyer have not been um, busy, have not been at times uh, efficient. I think more overshone has, has has shown obviously a, a higher um, upside and proclivity there. And again, I, I'm not in the Brockermeyer besmirching business, uh, but you saw... The two leading tacklers in this game were, were David Benda, who had seven solo tackles and, and a sack, and Jalen Ford, who had two tackles for a loss and six tackles. Um, and both guys made plays, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, made plays in the open field. When if they didn't make the tackle, you know, would have been bad. And, and again, made these plays against Deuce Vaughn, where. You know, we've talked about, man, how good the Iowa State linebacking core is. Man, Baylor has found a way to really get a lot out of their, you know, kind of uh, hybrid safety and linebacking group. And we talked about some of the better defenses in, in the Big 12, Oklahoma State. And they all struggled getting Deuce Vaughn on the ground. He is so small, so shifty. He's legitimately in the entire College football world, one of the hardest guys to get your arms around and get him on the ground. And though he did have some success again, especially in the first half, uh, I, I feel like the defense really stepped up. And I just wanted to, to, to point this out, Gerald, the, the best defensive games, if you look at the best kind of four games they played uh, all year, the the best maybe against a, a a good, solid team end-to-end end was, was Louisiana, where they gave up three points, three points, six points, six points, right? So they had a half where they only gave up six points, another half where they only gave up 12, held them under 20. That was one of the goals, right? The other was, uh, if you remember that Texas Tech game, we kind of – Hated that they they got some points late In bunches, but they pitched a shutout uh, In the first quarter, that's one of the few Quarters they've given up zero this season uh, Again, I'm, I'm, I'm not being facetious Here, uh, <laughs> even though they gave up 35 in that game, that was one of our best Defensive performances, Iowa State, honestly You know, they they gave up Three points in a half that they gave up. Twenty-one points in the third quarter, but they gave up three points in a half. That was their uh, their best non-Rice half of the season. Again, Rice they they did pitch a full-on shutout. Uh, By the way, even Rice ran more plays in that shutout than uh, Kansas State ran. That's the fewest plays the defense has been on the field, so kudos. Uh, Looked that one up live, but they did pitch a shutout. But since Rice, this is the first half, whole half, that they've given up zero points. In that second half, when the offense, you know, was – held together with duct tape and, and uh, needed to do what they needed to do and didn't do you know a ton in the second half, the, the defense grew a backbone and stood tall. For the first time this year, we were able to rely on our defense and get a win out of it. So as much has been made, and I think rightfully so, about changes maybe needing to be made to, to personnel or, or, or philosophy or identity or whatever it is, and, um, you know, like you said, a bottom five, Rushing defense and historically school record low, you know, or worst, I guess, uh, defense, they stepped up. And even though this was not the world's most dynamic Kansas State offense, there were some weapons, as we talked about in our preview, and they checked most of them. Besides, if you take a Will Howard 70-yard rush, which I think even surprised him uh, out of the equation, it's a really elite game that they played start to finish.
0: And I mean there's there's no two ways around it. The defense played well and Deuce Vaughn, for his credit, broke a lot of tackles in the backfield where a man who's three inches taller probably gets tackled because it's just a small target. And it's it's a weird thing to say, but like that guy is just harder to tackle because he gets lost in the trees. And so like there are those there it's a weird thing where again, a running back that's 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", probably gets tackled and doesn't have that shiftiness that he has. And it's it sounds different dumb but it's absolutely true. You saw him just kind of duck under people's arms where that's not possible for a guy Bijan's size. So, there's there's a lot to be said about what the defense was able to do uh against Kansas State special teams. Got to talk about the special teams. Close it out. Cameron Dicker was 3 of 3 on field goals, missed the first extra point of his career thanks to the laces being in. Laces out, Dan. laces out but they did convert on the hurry up field goal to end the half which was just great you love seeing Mm -hmm. that dicker punted five times for a net of 43 and even managed to have a career high two tackles in the game
1: Yeah, and and look, we said coming in that Malik, Knowles, and uh, Brooks are both dangerous returners, but Knowles has been especially dangerous. He's averaging almost 40 this year. Uh, Didn't think they were going to kick to him. I don't know if going one way the wind was pretty strong or what, um, but they they decided to pooch uh, to, to Brooks rather than kick it out of the back of the end zone, so it must have been by design but they gave him the ball twice and on both he got about 40 yards on each return i think 39 on one and 41 on the other and both times who came to the rescue but big old dicker uh laying the wood uh coming up stiff with a you know with a with a guy coming at him just looking like a linebacker out there so i was i was impressed with with uh dicker's ability to rise to the occasion and so uh you know if this is the last Cameron Dicker game, then uh, them kudos to the man. Again, the the hurry up field goal will, will be uh, will be one of my favorite memories. It, it goes with the OU walk off, the sadly Kansas walk off, and some other great uh, great memories from uh, from Dicker. But in his last ones, you know, just in case the NFL wants to recruit him as a safety, uh, he's getting some on tape. The last thing I'll say about the special teams, uh, Gerald, we know what Roshan did. We know that, that Worthy had 65 yards through the air. Third in Texas in all-purpose yards was Deshaun Jameson with 60. Uh, uh, was third on the team with, I think, 55 of those were kick return and one five-yard punt return. So 60. That's that's a pretty low low number for your third highest all-purpose yard getter. So if that if you need any more reminder about how much of the Roshan show this was, uh, again, our third highest yard getter was on special teams with 60
0: so that's the season. No Podstradamus updates at all. No, I'm just joking. So uh, <laughs> Kyle won Podstradamus uh, 14 to 11. I managed to hit on one because Texas allowed fewer than two. Sacks. I missed on Xavier Worthy for a buck 25, and Texas coming away with an interception. Kyle got one for his trouble. Texas hit 165 rushing, but he did say that Kansas State would have less than 185, and that didn't happen because somehow the slowest 80 yard scramble that ever happened uh, in the history of football happened on the Texas defense. But. That's it for football this year. No bowl game, but we'll be back in the spring to talk about spring practice. And we'll obviously talk more football between then and now because it's the University of Texas. Now, as a part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down the 40, number two Texas volleyball beats Texas Tech 3 0, 3 1 to secure the Big 12 title. It makes that their fifth consecutive conference title and put them en route to the number two overall seed in the NCAA tournament.
1: That's right. They'll host the first and second rounds at the Gregory Gymnasium, a big weekend for the Greg Gym event staff. Uh, December 2nd and 3rd, Uh, Sacred Heart will be their their opener, which I believe, Gerald, is the hospital from Scrubs. Um, Absolutely. So it'll be very curious if, you know, they get uh, Dr. Turk Turkleton or Todd or who they have playing in that one. Um, But, yeah, Sacred Heart, also a college. Uh, And then the winner of San Diego Rice, if you remember. I think Rice was Texas's one of two losses only lost two losses last season um bit of a fluke but uh, hopefully they will be more prepared if they face them in the second round but they'll potentially also host as the number two seed you would imagine a good chance uh the regional and face the winner of the uh games hosted by the university of washington in their first and second round so a lot of uh a lot of good stuff get to stay home texas has been utterly elite on their home court uh this year not dropped to many sets, much less obviously any uh, matches. So that's a good thing for Texas. The longer they can stay home and uh, start, what should be a wonderful postseason.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're it. It's they definitely deserve this, and it's exciting to see. I think um, next weekend could be a big one. They if they win this weekend, if they win this weekend, uh, they'll potentially host the next. The regional round and get the winner of the Washington uh, group So we're excited to see how that turns out Number 14 women's basketball beats Cal State Northridge 83-42 to on Saturday Thanks to a big outpouring from Deanna Gatson uh, 19 points on 9 of 11 shooting from the floor Audrey Warren did everything for Texas 13 points, 8 rebounds, 1 block, 2 steals And used all 5 of her fouls in that <laughs> matchup
1: yeah and and you know the other the other returning big name in this one is joanne allen taylor she got double digits with 12 points like to see her shots starting to come a little bit uh that's going to be a key part of uh this team going forward uh they held uh susan i believe is what we're cal state northridge abbreviating uh to thirteen in the second quarter um 32 percent for the entire game they basically had uh kept them from hitting shots, and and whenever they missed one, they put it back in with 25 second-chance points and 21 offensive rebounds, which if you asked Vic Schaefer, that's about perfect basketball. You know, keep them from scoring. If you miss it, yeah, go score the second one for yourself. And uh, you do that, you win a lot of games. Uh, next up, a pair of teams that both were uh, in the tournament last year, a couple of March Madness teams. Jack- Jackson State comes to Austin on Wednesday night, and then they travel to College Station uh, on Sunday to take on the Aggies.
0: Get them out the paint. Uh, number eight Texas men's basketball is currently playing San Houston State in Gregory Gymnasium, the first Gregory Gymnasium game since nineteen hundred and seventy-seven. That was off the back of the party at the Tower from four thirty to six with free food, and uh, Chris Beard walked the team and the are fa- not the team, but the fans uh, down from the Tower to Greg for this one.
1: Yeah, I loved that. This this was this is such a cool event. I was talking to someone whose uh, son is at, at UT right now, and he was saying his son has been texting him, like so excited for this uh, going to a, a basketball game in in Greg. And so, I mean, even though Gerald and I have both played some elite uh intramurals and and seen uh both of us at different times seen Ramon's Taylor do things uh, on that specific court that that made us think he may have also been the best basketball player. Sherrod Harris made a strong argument when he was on campus he as one did. of the one of the greatest intramural and and rec basketball players um you know of all time. Uh but yeah, I I this will be some of the best athletes to play basketball in Gregory uh, ever. With uh, with those guys out there, it's so cool. They're doing the party at the tower, uh, paying up their word from from the ten thousand. The first game uh, had the free food. Had uh, Blackalack, which is a local like a, a big Austin hip hop band. Uh, had food trucks. Had. Uh, barbecue for the, the fans who went in early like just made it about the students um, Which is very very cool And uh, they are currently When the time recording this at 9 o'clock on Monday They are up 61 to 44 Opening it up here in the second half So hopefully that one That number will just continue to grow
0: I think it will I think it will Texas is seemingly pouring it on late We've got to talk about a big weird week Slash couple of days in um, I guess what we're dubbing the Crimson Wedding, that <laughs> kind of started off <laughs> the crazy mad dash to hire a coach. So Sunday night, Lincoln Riley, it's announced that he is heading out west, still wearing the Jordans that OU gave him to <laughs> put on a different color red and coach USC. And that kind of started a domino effect. So after Lincoln Riley left, things started to spin out of control pretty quickly. Uh, Most of their 2023 class is from like 30 minutes-ish. Well, not uh, 30 minutes if you're driving in Texas, six hours if you're driving in L.A. traffic. But from right outside uh, near the USC campus, so those guys all decommitted. I think we're sitting at six decommitments for the day currently at 9.06 on a Monday for – for OU as well as a bunch of guys hitting the portal, Spencer Rattler, basically all their wide receivers are in the portal. Uh, So it's, they're bleeding out right now and it doesn't necessarily look to be stopping anytime soon because, well, who's going to be the coach. And there's reports that, um, you know, other people are heading out the door. Caleb Williams sent out the, it wasn't even a non-denial denial. denial. (laughs) It was like a, like happy for coach Riley. And that's all I'm going to say Um, That dude's gone, and if he leaves, everybody else is leaving with him, and that's totally fine, uh, because I'm totally fine with them having nothing but dirt up there, those filthy dirt burglars. So, uh, Napier is also headed to Florida, which is a big thing. Uh, There's a lot of things happening on the college football landscape, but... Texas did have one uh, elder player declare. Josh Thompson has made it his point or his decision already. He's declaring for the NFL draft. Looking at the young guys, a bit of a weird week for Texas on the recruiting trail. I'll start off with – uh, four-star quarterback Jalen Gilbo, who used to be a Texas commit, then decommitted, committed to TCU right uh, the day, basically the day before Texas announced the SEC move, has been having second thoughts ever since. Officially flipped back to Texas from TCU. Four-star running back Jamarion Miller flipped to Alabama, which that's going to happen to you if, if Bama wants him at this point. Bama gets him, uh, leaving Jaden Blue as the only wide, uh, only running back in the class currently. Four-star wide receiver Armani Winfield decommits from Texas as well. Michigan State Mel Tucker had been kind of nipping at his heels for a long time. That seemed like a foregone conclusion. And then our favorite name in the class, three-star linebacker Owen Carey decommitted. This one was seen as more of a mutual thing. Uh, He had gotten jumped on the depth chart and just had seemingly regressed this year. And so, yeah, best of luck to him, but his coach basically told him, like, hey, find a place where you can actually play because I don't think it's going to be at Texas.
1: Yeah, and he said, but Luke Brockermeyer. And they said, yeah, I don't know if you're Luke Brockermeyer good. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, in, interesting one. I was kind of curious to hear all the people butcher his name. Again, that's uh, that's that's E-O-G-H-N Owen. Um, but, uh, yeah, an in, in interesting uh, linebacker is not a place Texas can miss. Receiver with Armin, Armani Winfield going and Evan Stewart um, not coming. It's interesting. They do have some dudes already still. um They, I think, are not done there. Jamarion Miller going is – the the, the running back room is stocked. Drayton's actually a name I've seen linked to a couple programs because he does such an incredible job both coaching – uh, and recruiting um, I hope not I hope we keep him forever and we should try um, but that that room is is stocked and with players both in tw- 22 and 23 looming so that I don't think we're done there but uh, it does suck when when anyone leaves uh, who's as talented as Miller is but uh, he'll probably end up being good for Bama we can be sure of that but it's hard if you're a running back to, to to not go to Bama it's just that's a pretty good pipeline straight to the NFL uh, and then Gilbo a guy who you know Anytime a recruit leaves, we wish them well because this is the kind of thing that can happen. A recruit can can come back if they commit to Texas once. There's something they liked about Texas, even though it wasn't obviously um, sheer amount of wins this season. There's something they liked there, and uh, with Josh Thompson leaving, you know, I think you 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 have more and more direct paths for these young guys there is a good young crop of cornerbacks uh in in on the team now and in in, in coming but never upset to add to that and i think hopefully gilbo is the kind of player can come in get right and get really bought into texas here and then see the field early and that will help keep him here uh, for as many years as uh, as he plays college football but. An interesting group, I will say, all in all, when we look at uh, the reigns of Castiglione um, to keep the, the Game of Thrones uh, going, and the, I think, something like 30 stars that OU is down already just from their recruiting classes, not to mention the you know people who have left in the portal. Um, I mean, think think back to the fact when they were so stocked with the quarterback whisperer uh, and they've basically lost not just Rattler, who's, who's gone there. A non denial from Caleb Williams, who sounds like he's probably uh, probably gone. But Tanner Mordecai, like they just lost uh, a lot of quarterbacks. It's some esque honestly. <laughs> how many quarterbacks aren't on the OU roster right now, and and uh, who will even quarterback for Bob Stoops in that bowl game? Maybe maybe Drake Stoops can play QB. I don't know. But uh, anyways, um, when you look at what's going on there, then then a little bit of uh, Texas fluctuation. It's also not entirely surprising with a five and seven season even if you did end on a win that we knew some of this was coming uh but i don't think it's done i think there's more splashes in the recruiting game um because the college landscape is so crazy it's shifting it's the last day of school school's out for the summer everyone's going crazy throwing their books in the air a lot of shifting is happening for every team across the country it's just a wild couple weeks until signing day
0: It'll be a tight close. There's a lot of smoke, and again, we'll uh, try to get Mike Roach in for part of it. I know he is super busy right now with everything going on, but we're going to try to get Mike on the show here sooner rather than later. But now it's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: I am uh, I'm in that, that mood. You know, we ended the season – to look back. We're not doing a full retrospective, but you look back a little bit, and I, I was looking at the a, a few different things. Looking at some stats. Looking at uh, Pro Football Focus, who who you know had their end of uh, end of the year uh, rankings. And the interesting thing was is I think most. Um, most folks would guess the top three graded players on Texas offense. At least the top two are pretty obvious, or the two of the top three are pretty obvious. Their number one graded player by pro football focus this season was none other than Bijan Robinson, of course, our our best player. Uh, Our third was actually, I thought he might be higher, is Xavier Worthy. Um, And our second was Roshan Johnson. So credit to the man with the heart, the size of the state of Texas. Um, I, I, I think, you know, you could make an argument that that worthy uh, because there's two running backs on there was even more important. Cause I don't know if we had two receivers who even got enough targets to be graded, um, but it was such a <laughs> one man show. And so I was looking at that and I said, I, you know, I know worthy had a, uh, a, a lot of targets. Uh, of course he did. Um, but uh, just how high, and I, I joked this week that he only had, Eight, but uh he he actually from the best i can tell and cj vogel did some tracking down on this uh i will credit him for his research but um he said that according to his research 30 uh, percent of texas targets went to xavier worthy which is about what i got um but that was fourth in the country after unc's josh downs kentucky's wandell robinson penn state's jahan dodson who's a monster um but basically you know Texas threw 324 passes this year over 100 of them went to Xavier Worthy that's a lot that's a lot a lot for a freshman because all of those guys are upperclassmen all of those guys are probably declaring for the NFL um you know that it, it is it is Very telling that Xavier Worthy as an 18-year-old true freshman came in and and did all of that. And because of that, uh, you know, may have been our MVP. Bijan, obviously, incredibly good, but there were just games we didn't win a ton. But where we were even in them was because of a a, a game-breaking play that Worthy had a, a deep streak. And so a lot of credit to him. Although we've seen a lot from him this year, Bijan is an underclassman. He's a sophomore. Uh, Xavier Worthy is a uh, is a true freshman. So we'll see both of them next year. We most, assumingly, will see Junior Roshan Johnson back again next year. On the defensive side of the ball, I was a little bit surprised by our top three uh, graded guys by Pro Football Focus. Um, number one on the season, Jade Barron was our number one graded player. Um, so you, you imagine you will see a lot more of him as an underclassman. Uh, Moro Ojimo. Uh, who, you know, I was kind of surprised that he was our number one rated uh, lineman. Um, he played a lot, was really good. You had Keandre Coburn as the kind of captain and, and figure that loomed over to Andre Sweat, the big guy who made a couple uh, plays, key plays. And then you had um, obviously Alfred Collins, who was so lauded, especially after that bowl game. But as far as for consistency uh, across games, it was Ojimo only barely beating out yet another true freshmen so byron murphy our number third greatest highest rated player by pro football focus that's two true freshmen in our top three players with byron murphy uh and jade Barron, who i believe is 19 as well so i mean you're looking at uh young talent we've talked about this all year uh we've talked about players who have to come in and have to do something right away and because of attrition and players getting hurt and medically retiring and not playing anymore and transferring out and those things and those classes that, that aren't there, those juniors and seniors who aren't there, those players who played well at the linebacker position in this game who were young, the next men up were young, the guys who came in at safety are young. you know There's so much youth that you have to feel pretty good that all of your best players are coming back, your highest-graded players are coming back. Now, there are some key positions that we have to bring some additional in because it's a five-win team. Don't care if they buy in a ton, you gotta move it up a little bit. Uh, but if they can figure some of those things out, bring some of those players that I talked about that have the heart that are bought into the culture, then you should see steps up. And also remember that, you know, everyone talked about the 13 points with Tom Herman. Uh, you know, Texas had a lead in 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 I think 80% of their losses in the second half. They these these Games could have gone very differently. We could be talking about the season very differently. could very easily have been a seven-win season. There's a world where this could have been an eight-win season. I'm not saying nothing was wrong, but there are things to grow. There are some things that you can tweak, some cultural things that shift the needle just enough, some guys stepping up, being a year older, another bit of coaching, getting the right guys to the right scheme, where you can easily see a step up next season, a good-sized jump, Uh, especially – if there's trouble at the top with OU.
0: I don't ever mind OU being bad and I don't mind them continuing to bleed because things are going to get weird for the next few weeks. So I'm begging through this week on a man that you and I have talked about and praised already on this podcast and several other podcasts, but Tope Amade, um, six-year player, came out of the tunnel holding a picture of his mom who recently passed. Uh due to cancer earlier in the year for, for senior day. And just like that made me cry because one, I'm a crier, but also like, how do you not cry thinking like looking at something like that is what it is. Um, but then after the game, what, well, after that, uh, he ended up playing like an absolute machine, like a monster. They were just eating guys alive. It was actually absolutely incredible and terrifying. Um, I was, I was, it was terrifying how in awe I was. It was one of those, like, am I actually watching a lion devour a gazelle at this moment? That's what the feeling it was. But then he penned a really eloquent and kind of long letter and put it out there on Twitter on Saturday, kind of after the game. And there are a lot of people, a lot of things in it. But I want to highlight that this just shows the type of culture change that has happened at Texas or is happening at Texas because he started off by citing that he believes that the coach is the guy to get the job done. And, and. You can argue with that, but the guys in the locker room will, will tell you that, um, especially a guy who's kind of a complete 180 uh, as far as how he handles the locker room from the previous guy. And so that's a big change. And then the next the next note in his letter was the one that stuck out to me the most, one of the two, and that was about Coach Flood, and that was um, – Talking, He was just talking about how Coach Flood was really candid with him and asked him, how are you so big and you're not playing is basically what he said. How are you not playing at your size? And for Tope, he, he called out that um, development isn't always physical. And for him, it was a mental thing. And he feels like he developed more in the last 12 months than he had in the previous five years. At Texas, and we've talked about it how the Texas offensive line has progressed, and and Tope Amade kind of confirmed that. And then the thing that just really warmed my heart is he compared Byron Murphy to Puna Ford when talking about the young leaders on the team, and that just that just made me smile. One because Byron (laughs) Murphy probably is Puna Ford because Byron Murphy already looks like a grown man at nineteen years old. (laughs) But like you and I have, I I love a defensive lineman that can get the job done and that's a leader on the team that sets the tone for your entire defense. If the man in the middle. Is just a freaking face eater Then the rest of your defense is going to eat some faces too And Byron Murphy seems like he's going to be that dude And I absolutely love him. So I'm just banging the drum this week If you're not following Tope on Twitter You absolutely should be He's a great follow He's a nerd like I am So I love He's got a YouTube channel going and um, We're hoping to get him on the podcast here sooner rather than later We're trying to line those things up But Tope, thank you so much for being an incredible representative Of a university that Kyle and I both love so dearly
1: and just a couple things, Gerald. This this was not pandering. We had already planned to uh, talk about that before he uh, was in talks to on the podcast. Uh, one, uh, two. They compared him to who, Gerald? Could you give me a? Uh, they Byron Murphy was compared to who? Buda. There it was. I've been waiting for one of those for a while, uh, and uh, and thirdly, yeah, Tope is, is just an absolute man. His YouTube channel uh, with Marvel stuff is is just great and and perfectly Gerald. But uh, yeah, I, I again number three of our highest graded players, Byron Murphy, in there. There's there's dogs who stepped up, and and I think you hear we see it as fans, you hear it, uh, but I, to talk to him, I'll be curious because. These players at the end of the day are just players, right? They're, they they have other things going on in their lives. They are students. They are going on to careers. They are friends with these guys, you know, but to hear him describe, it's always interesting to get that insight from someone who's really articulate the way Tope was. So uh, very good. I loved it. It was uh, in, in a week full of tweets, man. Uh, it stood out. And that was hard to do because this was an all time Twitter week. I love Texas playing and me just getting to sit back on a Saturday and watch uh, two of our rivals lose and other crazy things happen and, and Alabama almost lose. And uh, it was just a wild, wild get. Florida State missed a whiff on an onside kick that, to, to try to. Go and win against Florida. I mean, just wild things all over college football all day. It was a, it, I watched it so much college football, and it was great. But I just wanted to end uh, with one final note to bang the drum on, Gerald, and that was uh, Texas A&M in their biggest game of maybe all time. They beat Alabama. Finished fourth in their division this year in in the in in their half of the SEC in the SEC uh, West and and Mississippi State uh, would have owned the tiebreaker and made them fifth uh, but Mississippi State could only win seven and 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 uh, Aggies snuck past Colorado or they would also be seven and five but they, they were they were fourth uh, in their their half of the SEC this year so um, greatest year ever for the Aggies put it on put it on the stadium you beat Alabama and finished finished fourth in your. Your, your division of your conference so there we are uh enjoy it and that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good
0: folks find you on the internet
1: oh you can follow me on twitter at Kyle carbon you can also follow the texas pregamer at texas Pregamer.
0: you can follow me on twitter i'm at gh goodridge follow the show on twitter at longhorn pod facebook and instagram the longhorn republic or shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com thank you so much for tuning in again this week and until next time hook 'em.
1: Hook'em. Kansas is the new, more scary team in the state of Kansas.